from inside the belly of John Goodman, it's the IGN DigiGod. So please welcome two men who have chosen poorly, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. was another vintage opening from John L. Abbott back in 2009, way back in 2009. We'd like to welcome you to the uh, IGN, IGN Cooking Gods, otherwise known as uh, the Wade and Mark uh, Baking Show, Ice you know, Cream Show. Can I complain about something? Go ahead, complain. Uh, my earphones are, these headphones you got? The new ones? They're too loud in my ears. How do I turn them down? They're too loud? Yes. It's a little little knob right here. There is? Right there. See that there? Try that. that, that. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, look at that. that. Is that better? <laughs> I didn't there know that. They're, 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 You're right. They are. How about that? I like that. <laughs> By the way, there's a, uh, you know, the, the, only, the only cooking store. I didn't really know. I did not know that. The only. Uh, you, can, you can work an iPad, uh, but you become a volume control on a pair of headphones. You, got it. I, I, didn't know it had, I did not know it had it. Actually, I, uh, I, I only have one cooking story. Yes. Because I know our listeners love mm-hmm. the cooking stories, mm. oh, which is yes. to say the listeners don't love the cooking stories. <laughs> But I went to um, World Book and News. World Book and News is a newsstand in Hollywood. Yeah, that has a lot of porn. It's one of the most famous newsstands mm. in town. And really because, one of the most famous ha- in the country. Because it has a lot of porn. Well, they have a lot of magazines. They have a lot of porn. And it's been in a lot of movies, and it's on the corner Half of... Half the thing is behind black drapes. That is true. Uh, it's uh, been in a lot of movies. It's on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and Quanga mm-hmm. Boulevard right yeah. in Hollywood. So I go in there because I got some time to kill. Near the Taft building. Before doing something, huh? It's near the Taft building. That is correct. Yeah, and the, uh, the whatever, whatever, the Hyatt, is it the Hyatt Hotel that's right across the road? I have no idea. Yeah, whatever. I have no idea. Uh, so I go in there. It's a famous newsstand. I got time to kill. That is, yes, Wade, that is your water. Thank you. Without ice, because you don't like ice with your water <laughs> for some freaking reason. Anyway, I go in there, got some time to kill. So I go to the uh, recipe, the uh, cooking magazine section. I see a recipe for pork and cashew shredded uh, sandwich. A shredded pork and cashew sandwich. I'm, 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 oh, that sounds good. Shredded pork and cashew. You know, obviously, you. Yeah, I, I, sounds, I, I don't know what you do. You fry it up, whatever you do. It sounds vile, but go So on. I don't want to buy the magazine, but I want the <laughs> recipe. So I take out my iPhone, and I prop the magazine up on the little uh, shelf, and I take a picture. Then... I keep flipping through the... That's, good, that's a good recipe. There might be something better. So I keep flipping, and I uh, get another recipe yeah. for a creamy mushroom casserole. Oh, yeah. It sounds like crap, but the picture was nice, so I took a picture of that. And as I'm taking the picture, the guy who works at the newsstand, he's like 6'2", 210 pounds. He wears like... He's one of those guys you could tell he's never had a date. He wears T-shirts that are XXXXL. <laughs> Right, and they got holes in it. Uh-huh. The guy says, "Excuse me, we get the hell out of here." I got nailed, and I and then I, I I wasn't begrudging him throwing me out because you know these are newsstands and they're not doing that well. The guy says to me, uh, "Have you been in here before doing this?" And I said, "Dude, I have not been in here for months," which is the truth. I've I've not been in that newsstand for months. Mm-hmm. So I take I put the magazine back. I he didn't confiscate my iPhone and tell me to erase <laughs> the photos. But I remember as I walked out the door, he says, oh and don't come back. That's what he said as I walked out the door. And by the way, tonight before you came over, I made the creamy mushroom casserole. And can I tell you, 
It was it's so bad. I told you I could have told could have told you that. I you know what? When you go for the recipes, here's here's the for thing the with sake, recipes. For the sake of a bad meal, you were bounced from a newsstand. It's not just a bad meal. I made six servings of this stupid thing. <laughs> I've actually it's actually six bad meals. You know what I'm saying? So oh here's the thing. Gosh. When this is the uh, this is the takeaway before we talk about uh, movies because people love when we talk about yeah. cooking. Uh, the takeaway is <laughs> it's not just the it's not just the talent of the of the of, of the of the chef. It's the quality of the recipe. Mm-hmm. If you go to Epicurious, true, or you buy a good book, the Daily Dish. The Daily. What I love that? the Daily what Dish. What is Daily Dish? Go to the Daily Dish. It's right good. now? Yeah. Why not? Right. Talk about DVDs. I'll talk about Daily Dish. Is uh, it the Daily Dish or Daily Dish? The Daily Dish. The Daily Dish. Yeah. Do the right I sub- now. I subscribe. Do you really? Ignore the sponsored recipes, which are always, you know, like Stouffer's would like for us to, you know, sell you some crap. Um, well, they're never going to sponsor this podcast, are they? Anyway, I uh, got a few, got a few list. Got a few listener uh, emails that we're going to read right now, right off the top. Um, one from Tyler Lyon, or Leon, which says, I have to answer uh, the one listener's question on the Wonder Years DVD set. While there is no sign of a DVD release, I'm currently working through the series on Netflix streaming. The Joe Cocker version of With a Little Help from My Friends has been replaced with a cover. But as far as I can tell, the rest of the original music is intact. If it isn't the original music, Netflix, Netflix play, paid tooth and nail for the replacements. So that's interesting. It's available on streaming. Um, we'll see how long it takes for that and other shows like China Beach to get over their music issues for DVD release. There may be a legal, um, a legal uh, exception there that helps streaming. So wait. So the Daily Dish is that, that's an LA Times blog. That's an LA Times blog. Oh, maybe it's not the Daily Dish. It's not. Maybe that's not what I'm thinking of. I'll, I'll find it later on during the show when I'm doing something else and you're doing something When else. you're falling asleep while I'm talking about yeah. Mr. Magoo. Yeah, or something like that. Um, and then uh, Joe Nacella, senior finance officer, writes us and says, Guys, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I just found out that Dave Lucas of Dave's video, The Laser Place, passed away this last week. And this was uh, last week in October. He said, I was introduced to Laserdiscs at his old store on Ventura Boulevard, the one that was before the newer store on Ventura near Laurel Canyon. Uh, and my wallet, uh, or lack of funds, has never been the same since. I was usually a weekly visitor to his store, usually on Saturdays, and the clerks knew me there by first name because I always bought my laser discs and hardware there. So there's a Facebook page that was started by his wife, Linda, and uh, he also gave us a link at the digital bits that mentioned Dave's passing. So for those in L.A. that, you know, remember Dave's video, it was, I mean, you know, dude, like when I was in high school and laser discs were, I mean, you know, we're talking – over 25 years ago so that was uh you know that's sad dave lucas has passed away well also it's not just uh people who like uh or like or love dave lucas because most people you know don't listen to the show out of los angeles but the thing is is that it harkens back to a time when video store clerks really knew their movies yeah and and you don't get that a lot if you if you you, you go to blockbuster they'll tell you that uh, twilight is bad or whatever i I used we used to go there and rent uh, laser discs and we found all kinds of great stuff that just you couldn't find anywhere else all the criterions that had commentaries and you know that was my first introduction to criterion and and all the clerks knew the good movies yeah i mean how i mean tarantino used to work at a video store true in the south bay uh, Nicholas Gordon, longtime listener, writes and says, uh, My wife and I were watching SNL this last weekend, and I wondered, is this show on its last leg, or should Lorne Michaels and NBC have it taken behind the barn and shot years ago uh, of Mice and Men style? I was born in 81, so I'm only 30, but I had parents who loved to watch classic SNL, so I grew up with Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, Bill Murray, Gilda Radner. 
Chevy Chase and Jane Curtin. I remember being in high school, and SNL was the cool thing to watch. We loved Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, David Spade, Rob Schneider, and Phil Hartman doing their thing. In the past, I've always watched SNL. And you would see certain cast members and say they're going to be a big star someday. There's no one on the show now that makes me think that. It seems to me that when Tina Fey left to do 30 Rock, she took all the good writing talent with her. I know the show's been on for over 30 years, but I feel it's time to put the show out of its misery. Wanted to get your thoughts. And we emailed him back on that. I think Kristen Wiig is the kind of the, the one superstar on the show right now. And, and you know, with uh, you know, her film career is, is kind of popping now. But Well, well we, we both emailed him back. And, I, you yeah. know, SNL's been the left for dead Several times. Many times. Yeah. Every seven years, it's, it's a time to fold SNL. And you know what? It always comes back. There's always a new crop. And you know what? What really got it going were the digital shorts. Yeah. The digital shorts were the... Although some of those really fall on their faces, too. I mean, Andy Samberg is the digital shorts guy. That's why they brought him on, because he had kind of an internet following prior to SNL with some of the shorts that he did for a separate internet venture. And, uh, you know, that, some of them, I mean, the good ones are great, but well, the bad but the, ones are really bad. Right. But, well, but the thing is that at least it, once you had Dick in a Box and Justin yeah. Timberlake's doing it, then people are talking about SNL like they hadn't talked about it in years. True. And so that was, what, what was that, five years ago? About five years Whatever, ago. Whatever, five, seven yeah. years ago. Now it's back to people saying it's done. Yeah. Then there'll be another great cast of unknowns, True. and then it'll be back again. And the thing is that what is NBC going to put there anyway? What is NBC going to put from 1130 to 1 on a it, Saturday it, night? What, it, local news? Nothing. Reruns nothing. Of, uh, of something? Nothing. No. And uh, Chevelle Dixon writes and says, Hello, gods. I've been following the Oscar race so far and found out something interesting. When reading about the supporting actor race, I found out the correct way to pronounce Max von Sydow's name. His last name should be pronounced von Sydow. You learn something new every day. And you know what? I, I, uh, I'm not e- doing that. I emailed back and I said, well, you know, there are a lot of those. Like uh, we say Christoph Kieslowski. It should be pronounced Kirstoff Kieslowski. You know, and I mean, you could really go on and on and on. Yeah, I mean, Wade Major is really Schlorken Skinklorglorfendorf. That's Wade you. Major in your native language True. of of of, of, of whatever, of, yeah. exactly, of, of the planet ignorant. Thank you. Uh, no, there's a ton of those, but we we do what we can. You know, I'm sure Akira Kurosawa is something like Well, it, because it depends on whether you are. Here's the thing: when you say something in another language. Yes. Anything. It, it, yes. It, it could be something that has basically almost been co-opted in English. Yes. Do you pronounce it with the accent or do you not? Uh, no. Like if you, go to a, if you go to a Mexican restaurant and order a burrito. Yeah, I'm going to say burrito. You don't go. I'm not going to go burrito. <laughs> no, no, you're not. But no. yet some people do that. I know. Some people, a lot of people do that. I remember once my mother uh, went to go see, uh, it was, I think it was the movie, La Caja Fall, whatever, you know, it was the, mm-hmm. it was the movie version. My mother says... Um, I'm going to go see La Cage a Folie. Yeesh. And I see La Cage a Folie. Look, I get it. Don't speak French. That's nope. cool. But that was mangled pretty bad. Yeah. Well. So I pointed at my mother. I had family that used to live in Curdlene, uh, uh, Idaho. And there's, if I were to pronounce it correctly, they wouldn't know the name. So there you go. Uh, we, we're going to knock out a few TV things that we uh, did not get to last week before we get into some kid stuff and some foreign and some new movies, amazing new movies. Oh, my gosh. Did some good stuff arrive today? You have no idea. Uh, California- yeah, you're right because we're not talking about DVDs yet. Oh, we are now. Yes, we are now. Oh, good. We're moving in. Fantastic. Uh, Californication, the fourth season from Showtime. It's uh, back on, which means that now it's the time to release the previous season on DVD. And uh, you know what? It's kind of weird. Uh I, I, you know, it's a good. This is a good show, but here's the thing that I find most weird about it, and it's nothing to do with the show itself. It's the special features. 
I don't like that now, and this started a while back with a, a lot of shows like Magnum P.I., you know, in Hawaii Five O. special feature is, you know, an episode from some other show. So it's like they're trying to use the special features to cross-promote. Like you put an entire episode of another series on the special feature. That's not a special feature. That's just, that's just, that's just whoring. Um, so, yeah, oh, yeah, look, special features here in Californication, the fourth season. Uh, episodes one and two of Gigolos. Episodes one and two of uh, Episodes. What? Episodes one and two of the Borgias. What? What? What are they doing? What they're, is? They're they're wh- pimping their other shows. It's, it's stupid. I've never. I've never. First of all, the Borgias haven't watched. I don't even know what episodes is. I think that's a typo. Gigolos. I haven't watched it. No interest. Anyway, uh, twelve episodes here in the fourth season, and you know what? It's fine. David Duchovny carries the show perfectly well, and uh, it's you know it's it's edgy and it's showtime, and there it is. It is. It is what it is. Uh, Wade, what it also is what it is, is Victorious. This is uh, Season 1, Volume 2 of this uh, Nickelodeon show starring this uh, girl. Uh, so weird that Nickelodeon does these kinds of original shows. Victoria it's like, Justice. It's, it's like it wants to be the Disney Channel, but it wants to be a little edgier than the Disney Channel, kind of, sort of, maybe. You know, you know what's funny? You get this girl, uh, Victoria Justice, whoever she is. It's, it's very <laughs> strange how, they, how you know, nowadays, once you turn 15, you are ready to be sexualized by television. That's true. Isn't that you know? sick? Disney did that, of all people. But Disney used to be like the Mickey Mouse Club, where it was so chaste and, and nice. Yeah. Now it's like you're Selena Gomez or you're whoever the hell you are, and yeah. uh, you're 14 years old, and it's time to uh, it's time to tart you up. <laughs> it's, time uh, it's just bizarre. Time to start turning tricks on Main Street, USA. It really is. Yeah. Anyway. D- Disneyland. So uh, uh, Victoria Justice, uh, whatever. I mean, yeah. honestly. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know what a really good show is, actually? If anybody's seen Star this on... Trek? B- no. If I, oh, oh you way, know what I watched? What'd you watch? On streaming Netflix because I was bored. Actually, no, here's what happened. So I go on streaming. I love Netflix, right? For those, for those who are new to the show, this is called The Detour. This is mm-hmm. when we just completely go off on a bizarre tangent that oh. has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But carry on. No, we just talked about cooking for 10 minutes. I know. It's okay, so here's what happens. I go on the Netflix, right? I love streaming Netflix. This I know. Event. You love the Netflix. I do. Okay, so for the second time, yes. I attempt to watch Beat the Devil. Now, Beat the Devil, I had never seen. And I wanted to watch it because, A, it's Humphrey Bogart and yeah, Gene sure. Lola Bridget, sure. but also co-written by uh, John Houston, who also directed, and Truman Capote. Yes. Okay, co-directed the script. Sure. I mean, co-wrote the script. Okay. Okay. I tried to watch it about six months ago, Netflix. It's out of sync, and I just can't handle no it. No kidding. It's like, it's like a half a second out of sync, and it just it was blowing my mind. Weird. So that was six months ago. So the other day, whatever, I'm bored, whatever, flipping the channel, what I'm doing. And uh, I decided to give another shot. Out of sync. I cannot get through the first five minutes of Beat the Devil. So I decide to watch instead The Captains, where William Shatner oh, goes and, and he interviews they, all the captains who so played bad. captains of the Enterprise. The Chris Pine interview is not good. Well, no. It's no. not good. So Shatner goes and, uh, and talks to Avery Brooks, who mm-hmm. is who's like some uh, jazz hippie somewhere yeah. teaching. Uh, Kate Mulgrew. Who's uh, on the stage? Yeah. Um, you know who else he interviews, which is interesting. I didn't expect he does do a brief interview with Christopher Plummer, mm-hmm. who was in Star Trek Six. Mm-hmm. But Plummer's like a, he's a very respected. Sure. He's a real actor. I mean, Christopher you know, Plummer's well, great. They're also both Canadian. They are both, and they made jokes yes. about being Canadian. Yes. And uh, there was a lengthy interview with uh, the only one we care about, which is Patrick Stewart. Yes. Anyway, who uh, just can't I, believe that he's sitting there being interviewed by William Shatner, just thinking. Why is this man talking to me? He surpassed Strange Stewart. fat man. It was actually very funny hearing Shatner ask a question that was like three minutes long. 
I know. It right? was. It was the, the this question. If, if this question was re, this question was, was like the Lombard Street of questions. Yes. It just kept going around and around, and uh, well, and then and, man likes to hear himself talk. And then at the end, Patrick Stewart says, "Extraordinary." <laughs> That's an extraordinary question. It sure is extraordinary because I've never heard a question asked just like that. Anyway, so I watched The Captain. So what does this have to do with DVDs? Nothing. Nothing, except that I can tell you that uh, the movie that you didn't see tonight, Arthur Christmas, which is really good, but don't see it in 3D. Uh, first uh, major animated film directed by a woman, and uh, it has a Star Trek connection, kind of, sort of. It does? Yeah, you see that very quickly. Um, Luther 2, uh, starring Idris Elba, has been on BBC America, and uh, it's terrific. Uh, this is kind of the, the you know the traditional tortured, uh, tormented detective cop syndrome thing, uh, which we've seen in movies and we've seen it on television. And you know he's fighting his own demons. But you know Idris Elba is a hell of an actor. He's really, really damn good. And uh, I was a little disappointed when the show came on because I was like, no, don't become a TV guy, Idris. Be that, be like the feature guy. I want to see you be a movie star. But um, it's really good. It's really good. So I am, I am glad that uh, they've gone down and dirty and really gritty with this. Uh, with this show and they've gotten Idris Elba to uh, really crank it up a notch as a TV star so hope this doesn't end his uh, his career as a film star but it really is awfully good and then uh, there is the Blu-ray of uh, Gia the, the the thing that turned Angelina Jolie into some kind of a huge megastar overnight and uh, I never really got this thing um, this is from HBO on uh, on Blu-ray, and uh, you know it was a big deal on television at the time. I don't know if anybody still remembers this and it really cares, but it's you know set in 1970s, and it's the whole kind of 70s fashion glam rock, glam fashion culture glitz thing, and uh, she's at the middle of it, and you know it doesn't. I don't know. It, it was uh, it was zeitgeist. It was lightning in a bottle, but there it is. It's on Blu-ray, decently transferred, not brilliantly transferred. It's okay. And then uh, lastly for television. Oh, what do you mean lastly? Oh, jeez, that's right. Oh, knock it out. How darest thou? I forgot about that. How darest thou forget Brideshead Revisited, the 30th anniversary collection. It's terrific. Brideshead Revisited was a huge uh, hit in 1981. It aired on uh, ITV across the pond. And uh, it was a big, big deal. It launched the career of Jeremy Irons, who plays a... um, he plays like this Oxford student who meets this uh, this kind of party hardy aristocrat, and they become uh, friends. And it is a landmark miniseries uh, in British television. Acorn, who always do a good job with the uh, British stuff, they really knock it out of the park here with a uh, 2006 documentary with uh, Jeremy Irons, who is also involved. Uh, commentaries. Jeremy Irons does a commentary. Also, Michael Lindsay Hogg um, does a commentary. Photo galleries, outtakes, which are fine. Uh, a viewer guide, which is fine. Um, but it's great stuff. Brideshead Revisited is, um, again, it's a landmark show. It's just terrific. Uh, Jeremy Irons looks so young. It's got a great cast. Other than Jeremy Irons, you know, uh, John Gilgo's in this thing. Laurence Olivier won an Emmy. So, um, this is something that you really, really want to check out. It's good stuff. I agree completely. A landmark in uh, British television. And uh, talking about landmarks, we got a couple of uh, landmark American television productions here that are just so awesomely cool. If you love classic old live television teleplay stuff, uh, you're going to go nuts for this. E1 is starting to release these. They are all from the Archive of American Television. 
and uh, there's going to be a lot more of these, and they're, they're amazing. I mean, they're amazing on so many levels, because if you saw any of the more recent, like George Clooney wanted to resurrect a lot of this, because he kind of was, you know, weaned on some of those things, like he did uh, uh, Failsafe. Good Eye and Good Luck. Good, well, he did, fa- he, did, he did a live production of Failsafe sure. on television, you know, which was tremendous, black and white and the whole thing. And, uh, you know, Failsafe as a movie was directed by Sidney Lumet, who was a real pioneer in live television before he became a film director. And one of those is The Dybbuk, um, D-Y-B-B-U-K, which Sidney Lumet directed in 1960 as the play of the week. And uh, this is unbelievable. It's based on a, uh, a Jewish folktale. It's kind of like a, like a Jewish version of The Exorcist. Um, but it's absolutely great. And you, see, you learn so much about the way that he stages it because it's not a play and it's not a movie. It's live television. So you have to make sure that it transpires like a play but it has to have choreography for the camera, and the actors have to hit their marks for the cameras. And it, you know, it's really impressive, and you learn a lot watching it. Sidney Lumet was just a master of his craft at every step, and uh, this is great. Incredible cast. Uh, it's, uh, Carol Lawrence is in this. Theodore Baikel is in this. Um, Gene Sachs is in this. Vincent Gardenia. Gene Vin- Sachs? I know, right? No. V- young Vincent Gardenia. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. So you got to check that out. And then, similarly, uh, what was aired a year earlier, another kind of uh, you know Jewish folk classic, The World of Sholem Aleichem, which uh, is more kind of, it's frothier. It's a comedy. And uh, Zero Mostel is just absolutely fantastic in this. Um, it's uh, it's kind of a, an anthology. It's a series of of things that uh, you know, sort of all. It's like three stories that all fit together, and you know, give you a sense of Jewish life and Jewish culture. Uh, Zero Mostel is absolutely great. Nancy Walker is great. Jack Guilford, remember Jack Guilford? Man, he was terrific. Lee Grant. Uh, it's really a lot of fun. So uh, both of these, the world of Sholem Aleichem and the Dybbuk, check them out. You know the Dybbuk weight is uh, it's a Yiddish term. It means like a like a, a ghost, like yeah, a, like I said, it's a, 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 it's a like dispossessed a, dead person. It's a, it's soul a Jewish. Is not... It's a Jewish exorcist, is what yes. it is. It's a jexorcist. It's a jexorcist. Exactly. What do you talk talk about movies? Come on, we've already talked about cooking, which no one cared about. I told another story, no one cared about. Now let's talk about something people care about. Mark, it's, we've all gone three D crazy. It's gone bananas. We got a quartet here. Let's roll through this as quickly as possible because nobody really cares. Quartet of 3D releases, Blu-ray 3D uh, and DVD combos from Disney. Uh, Chicken Little 3D. Aren't you thrilled? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the, seriously, why? Tell me why. Because uh, they can make money off it. But they but can't, though, because nobody has, nobody has blue, blue, 3D TVs. But it's Chicken Little. Yeah, if you have a 3D television and you're sitting there and you're just dying, let's, let, let's say you are the kind of person who is not the kind of person that I am, but you want to just experience the glory of 3D in your house. Just what are you going to watch? Well, there, there are so few choices that fine. Avatar. something like... Okay, fine. Avatar. What else? There's so Toy Story. There, fine. The Toy Story movies. There's sure. There's so we, few fine. choices that stuff like Alice this... Alice in Wonderland. Fine. Uh, okay. Go right down. At what point are you going to be so damn desperate? Well, you have worked your way through the entire compendium of 3D movies, finally hitting the bottom of the barrel. You're going to be like some kind of a recovering heroin addict. You're going to be sitting going through withdrawals looking for just one more, one more yes, hit, man. It, one more hit. I need one kids. more hit, man. I need one more hit. Especially. Are you got really, kids. You get, Chicken Little? Watch Toy Story again. Chicken Little? Really? If you've got kids, they're not going to want to see Toy Story again. They want to see something oh, new. Oh, maybe they'll want to see Meet the Robinsons in 3D? I, I would. 
Really, I mean, this is this like last week we talked about, you know, yeah, fine, Cars two and the Toy Story movies and whatever, yeah. But but this week's really this series, I just don't get it. It's like they went and they just emptied out what was left in the in in the bu- in the bucket. It's just, you know, fine, Chicken Little three D, um, yeah, Meet the Robinsons in three D. I mean, here are the other two, Bolt three D. Okay, Bolt is is a Kind of a cute film. It's sort of a cute film. It, this is this is the one that sort of surprised. You know, the dog's cute. We we love dogs. And the animation's all right. And the you know Miley Cyrus and John Travolta. Good voice casting there. Fine, fair enough. And all of these look terrific. Is just regular three D movies, or as regular Blu Ray movies as three D. I I don't I just I don't see what they're gaining. But here's the one that absolutely mystifies me. Let's say you've finally gotten so desperate that you you go all the way to Chicken Little and meet the Robinsons. Are you ever honestly going to say? You know, the one thing we need to add to our 3D Blu-ray library is G-Force. Yeah, you know why? This thing tanked at the movies. Yeah, but G-Force has Zach Galifianakis, and I love Zach Galifianakis, and it has Bill Nye. Bill Nye is really great in Arthur Christmas, but he's not it's great got in a this. Gr- look, it's got a great cast. It's got a voice cast of Nicolas Cage, Sam Rockwell, John Favreau, Penelope Cruz, Steve Buscemi, Tracy Morgan. It's funny stuff. Live action actors, uh, Galifianakis, Will Arnett, Bill Nye. Come on, get some. I guess, whatever. I'm just kidding. You realize it's uh, junk. All right. Um, You know, uh, let me go real quickly through just a trio of films here that are uh, uh, worth talking about. One, uh, two of these are straight to DVD, uh, not really uh, theatrical releases. And the other one I thoroughly hate, but it's going to be of interest to somebody. Uh, One of these is Faces in the Crowd. Not Face in the Crowd. Not Face in the Crowd, which is, you know, a great Andy uh, Griffith classic from, uh, what was it, 58, 62, something like that. 56, somewhere. Straight by Brett Radner. Oh jeez, we didn't even cover that story. Let let that let that one just sit for a while. It's the because I'm enjoying it too much. I really am. It's like I, you know, he he was a Oscar producer and then he said some horrible things and now he's gone. He had to resign all within like a 36 hour period. It was a beautiful thing. I've never seen justice done so expeditiously. Uh, Faces in the crowd, starring Mila Jovovich in one of her better roles lately. Uh, she's kind of been you know bouncing around between. These action roles and, uh, you know, a lot of kind of B stuff. But uh, she's actually quite good here. Um, she's a uh, the survivor of a ki- serial killer. And uh, she, she suffers this thing that they call face blindness, which means that even though uh, she knows who attacked her, she's unable to ever identify him or anybody. Like, she has no ability to associate i mean does that make sense like no ability to associate a face with an identity no that's why the movie makes no sense it's actually kind of cool and and it's hard to explain but it it winds up almost being like worse than amnesia it's really it's it's and it's an actual apparently an actual uh, affliction that you can you can suffer if you're psychologically damaged enough anyway um it's out on blu-ray and uh the whole thing rides on her performance and i have been a real critic of hers before but she's actually really good in this and uh makes well, it all makes it all said, very credible thing is that she doesn't do much except for the action well i inter- stuff. you know i interviewed her uh, when she was a kid for return to the blue lagoon and that was just truly the worst interview i ever executed I mean it was unbelievable I don't know how I made a piece out of that because she just sat there on the bed lighting matches and blowing them out and giving me one word answers well, because she was like 13 or something I know I know so I'll cut her some slack because she has become a, a good actress she really has between the cheesy roles 
And then we also got a little thing called the Heart Specialist, which is uh, going to go a long way toward uh, uh, destroying whatever stardom Zoe Saldana has built up with Avatar and Star Trek. It, not that it's a bad film, but it's just kind of a generic film. It's, uh, you know, it, it falls into that how Stella got her groove back vein. And uh, it's okay. It's, it's, you know, not bad, not great. It's, uh, it's amiable and likable. Uh, good turns by Wood Harris and Brian White, and um, you know, uh, if if you if you're looking for a, a kind of a a frothy romance that has something of a something of a a tropical and ethnic flavor to it, then uh, go check it out. It's not on Blu-ray, and it's uh, it's decent, not great, but decent cast. And then uh, the horrible, miserable Robert Rodriguez did a movie called Shark Boy and Lava Girl, uh, a.k.a. The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl, but generally known just as Shark Boy and Lava Girl, based on some characters he presumably created to entertain his kids, and it doesn't make for a very entertaining movie, although George Lopez is in it, uh, but it's got lots of horrible CGI, and I just can't stand it, though I like George Lopez. So there's about 10 minutes of good stuff in here, and the rest is just, to me, unbearable. There's an audio commentary with Robert Rodriguez, which I would not listen to because I just can't stand his crap anymore but it's on blu-ray it's a really good transfer kids will probably love it i don't wait i i have something to say to you by the way tyler tyler lautner is like five years old when he did this i have something to say to you this is before he's all buff don't like him either wait i was gonna play you the uh, brett ratner slur but um oh really thing is that i i, I have loaded up the entire q a oh have you really <laughs> But it's 18 minutes, so I, I, I don't know exactly where the slur is, so I, I can't really play it for you. Well, it's, uh, you know, our show is classier than that. No, we're not. Not going to do it? No, we're not classier than that. No, we're not classier. Than no. That. no. All right, fine. Fair enough. <laughs> where have you been for the last five years? I don't know. Uh, you, you want me to knock out these two as well? Sure, we're here. Right, fine, why not? Uh, Frank and Hooker is a, a, a cult film that uh, was directed by Frank Henenlotter, and uh, it's just absolutely silly. Uh, so that's why you should get it on Blu-ray. It does not look terribly great on Blu-ray. It's been released by Synapse, but it didn't look terribly good on film to begin with. So, uh, you know, get it. It's just, it's, it's just a whole lot of gory, campy, silly fun, uh, not meant to be taken seriously. It looks better on Blu-ray than it does on DVD, that's for sure, but don't think that this is going to somehow wow your friends and make them realize how, much, uh, how incredible Blu-ray is. There are DVDs that look better on a $50 DVD player than this looks on a $1,000 Blu-ray player. That's just because it's kind of a crappy movie, and it's meant to be. Uh, if you don't know who Frank Henenlotter was, he did movies like Brain Damage and uh, Basket Case before he did this. So, uh, and a bunch of special features, including a commentary and you know, stuff on the effect, so it's all right. Uh, wait, there was a movie called uh, 13 Zazmetti, French uh, movie. Yeah. People liked it. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Kind of a gritty, gun-toting, urban gangster movie. You know what that means? What's that mean? American remake. Oh, hell. That'll suck. The American remake stars um, Jason Statham. Whoa, Jason Statham starring as a hard-boiled <laughs> guy who loves violence and kicks butt? I don't understand. What's the world coming to? Oh, it's Tuesday, so it must be time for Jason Statham to do the same thing he always does. Jason Statham, Mickey Rourke, Ray Winston, Sam Riley, and uh, Curtis uh, 50 Cent Jackson. Mickey Rourke, uh, I said that, uh, star in the remake. Not very good. Uh, anyway, it's about this uh, young man who he, he assumes the identity of a dead man. Although I will say this, Michael Shannon's in it, which is always nice. But um, and we love the Michael Shannon because he's uh, in one of the films that we love this year. You you went nuts for this film, told me to see it, and I saw it. And honest to God, it's great. That's right. Take shelter. That's my pick for a movie of the year. But then it's, again, I haven't seen much. It's pretty great. It's great it's movie. really great. I mean, it's you it, know how hard that movie is to direct. Imagine you're doing a movie where 
is it apocalyptic? Is it in his head? Is it not like? Is, is it a movie about a marriage? Is here's it a movie what I here's what I love about that movie, and we'll get right back to DVDs and Blu-rays in just a moment. But uh, what I love about that movie is that uh, all the acting takes place independent of talking. I don't like it when people when the when the acting is in the dialogue where the drama is is laid out and it, you know it's, this is a movie where people will say you know can I have a glass of water sure honey here's a glass of water uh, you know go have fun at work today and yet what's really going on is what's in their eyes and in their in their body language and it's a totally different story from what the dialogue says you know that's, that, great that, stuff. That kind of, that's amazing to be able to pull that off that's true that's and great it, and that's all Shannon it's all it's, it's such a quiet film but it's so powerful mm, it's great it's, yep. it's really good take shelter not on DVD yet. Not yet. It's coming out. and Well, it's been out for about a month and a half or yes. something, hasn't it? But it, it's going to get another push for Oscar season. Yes, because Michael time. Shannon will be nominated. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, there's an old movie that's out now from the uh, Warner Archive collection. And uh, you can find out more on these by going to warnerarchive.com. Not archives, but archive. This is uh, Gene Harlow and William Powell, the wonderful William Powell, and the uh, delicious Gene Harlow in Reckless. Uh, not to be confused with the more recent Reckless from the 80s, which starred uh, Daryl Hannah and um, what's his name? The Irish guy. Irish uh, guy. Aiden Quinn. Aiden Quinn. Uh, no, this was directed by Victor Fleming, famously uh, the director of Gone with the Wind and uh, The Wizard of Oz. The only two films that he's really known for both came out in 1939, and he really only directed part of either of them. But uh, Victor Fleming did a lot of other movies, and uh, most of them were okay. You know, he was a, a workmanlike studio guy. He didn't really have his own imprimatur, but he was able to uh, basically deliver the goods and put a movie together. And uh, this one's pretty good. Um, this is uh, made in 1935, four years before he became uh, super mega famous for directing the other two films we mentioned. And uh, this is kind of at the right at the end of the pre-code era. And Jean Harlow, it should be pointed out, was really her fame really came in the pre-code films uh, because she was, you know, a bombshell, and she was able to sort of do and say a lot of things in those pre-code movies that. Uh, exploited her sexuality and her on-screen appeal and all that stuff. And once you started having the Hayes Code, uh, she couldn't really do a lot of that, and her uh, her popularity waned. Well, don't forget, too, Jean Harlow died at 26. Yes. She, di- she died in 1937. She was, yes. She, she was well, amazing. It, which is, is a huge tragedy, but her popularity was already on the wane at that time. I mean, she hadn't that's really— what, Are you saying that's what killed her? I, yeah, sort of, you know. Anyway, uh, this is great. This has got all kinds of, uh, you know— uh, sort of pre-code era, you know, nasty stuff in it, and uh, actually a terrific uh, theme song by Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein. So uh, definitely check this out. It's, uh, it's, it's really an interesting film, and uh, one of uh, one that's kind of overlooked in Gene Harlow's um, career, but, uh, you know, not bad. Oh, and produced by David Selznick, by the way, as well. Lame. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we like Selznick. He's the man. He's, He's the Selznickiest. All right, what do we got? What, Wade, Blue Velvet? You want to talk about Blue Velvet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue Velvet's out on Blu-ray. Yeah, Blue Velvet is from uh, 1986. This is, um, you know what, I, I this this movie, for those who love cinema, notice how I don't say f- movies, mm-hmm. cinema, mm-hmm. this was like an earthquake, this movie. It, it this really movie was. shook people up. This movie is just bizarre and brilliant, and it just really confirmed David Lynch is just a guy who is totally in his own little world, but... 
Well, he did this coming off of Dune, by the way, too, because a lot of people thought that Dune was the misfire of his career and was just going to completely set him back. He had all this success, you know, rapidly with Eraserhead and the Elephant Man. And uh, then everybody just kind of thought, wow, really, what, what's Dune all about? And he came back with Blue Velvet and was right back on track. Back Dune, the by the way, which I saw at the yeah. Pickwood Theater. I saw it there, too. On the corner of Westwood Boulevard and Where, where it uh, no Pico. longer exists. Where That's right. Where the, yeah, where there was a bowling no, alley there and there was a theater right there. And there's now the landmark. That's true. Yeah. By the way, you know that um, the Barnes & Noble, the bookstore, in yeah. that closing. I, is it really? Yes, it is. Why? I, I just It's closing. Seriously? I read about it a couple days ago. What's going to take its place? Okay, so he, he, wait, wait, wait a second. What? It's going to be gone. Barnes & Noble. Right. Big deal. Yes. We'd go there before and after movies at the, uh, yes, at the uh, yes, landmark yes, thingy. Yes, yes. Guess what's going to be in its place? Okay, I'll give you a, a hint. And, and actually, you know what? I'll make a multiple choice. Yes. And any choice will be lame. Okay. Because what else could it be? Tell me. Forever 21, H&M, mm-hmm. or Hot Topic. Now, this is an enormous three-story space. H&M, I gotta say, Hot Topic. I've got to guess H&M because it's the hot thing now. Uh, you are correct. Yeah. H&M. going to be lame. All right. Also on Blu-ray, that's very tragic. Also on Blu-ray is a movie called Alleged, uh, which is... Uh, which Wait, talk- are we done talking about uh, Blue Velvet? I don't know. Are you done? Uh, it's great. Okay. <laughs> it is great. does not have chapter divisions, though. David Lynch refuses to allow chapter uh, d- uh, chapters on, on Blu-rays and DVDs of his movies. Uh, that is true. Also, uh, there's a documentary called Mysteries of Love, which mm-hmm. I don't know what that... Gives us uh, what's what I like about it because Wade and I are film critics. Yeah. Is the original Siskel and Ebert review? That's pretty great. Of the movie, it's pretty great. Is an extra on this yeah. Blu-ray, which I like a lot. Awesome. It's good looking. Good looking Blu-ray too. Uh, you know, in this uh, presidential election year, we are uh, we should remember that uh, four years ago, Fred Thompson was for a nanosecond. He was kind of like the uh, the Governor Perry of the year, wasn't he? It was like he was suddenly the front runner, and then he wasn't. Uh, so for a nanosecond, Fred Thompson was was going to be the next president of the United States. Uh, flash forward four years, and he is a he's a just a character actor in a movie called Alleged, which is a, a period film aimed primarily at Christian audiences, um, set during the uh, 1925 Scopes Monkey Trial. And uh, needless to say, you know, and Fred Thompson, who is an attorney, is a politician, uh, and who has been uh, you know the district attorney on Law and Order, uh, plays William Jennings Bryan. There we go. Isn't that how about that? Nice. And Brian Denny, he plays Clarence Darrow. Um, but needless to say, this is basically aimed primarily at Christian audiences. So it's, uh, you know, there's a certain spin on it. And, uh, you know, whatever. Take it as it may. I, I, didn't so, find, uh, I didn't find it to be all that engaging. So a, but uh, I, I kind of find the whole Scopes Monkey thing to be sort of, you know, old hat and boring anyway. So a, a movie about the Scopes Monkey trial with a Christian bent. I'm trying to be objective here. Uh, also on Blu-ray is a terrific film from 1970 called Little Big Man. Little Big Man, uh, directed by Arthur Penn, stars Dustin Hoffman as a. Um, he is in the movie. He uh, actually the movie starts with him as an old man, and he's looking back on his exploits fighting with General Custer, George Custer, and uh, it's a terrific movie. It is a great, great, it? It's, it's a great movie, and I'm going to say this is the one and only time that I ever actually felt that old age latex makeup worked. And I say that because just recently I went and saw Jay Edgar, which you haven't seen yet. Um, I got to tell you, man, the makeup almost ruins that movie. And, it, and the movie's not good, but it, it seriously, within like the first few seconds when you see DiCaprio with the makeup on, I just thought, what were you, like bobbing for apples in candle wax? What is that? By the way. It's terrible. By the way. 
Little Big Man, good stuff. Oh, it's great. Go rent it. Um, It's not that I didn't see it. It's that I refused to see it. Ah, yes. I wanted to see it, and I've been invited to the screening many times. And then I bad-mouthed it. But everybody's bad-mouthing it. So it's sort of like, do do I need to see this? No. So I saw something else instead that night. A movie I can't remember. You know what? <laughs> I know what you saw. Didn't you go to what see? What did I see? You, did you see Shame? No. You saw yes, I saw Shame. You saw Shame, yes. yes. Okay. Which is uh, the... Elvis Mitchell introduced the film at LACMA, the L.A. Yeah. County Museum of Art. And he says, this is the first great NC-17 film. And I thought he was going to stop there, right? Yes. The first great NC-17 film... Since Showgirls. Then he winds up saying, of the new century. What is it, like the only one of the new century so far? Exactly. What else has there been? Good grief, the new century. Come on, Elvis. Uh, you know, I'm going to tell you what's not good, and boy, is this a misfire. There's not enough time left in this show to even go into this. Uh, Atlas Shrugged, part one. This is what's lame about this. Um, for those who, who know, look, Atlas Shrugged, whether or not you agree with Ayn Rand politically or not, she's all, you know, it's very incendiary, very divisive and so forth. I've read the book, Atlas Shrugged. It's, you know, they've tried to make that thing so many times. Uh, it was going to be a 10-hour miniseries that Rand started to write herself. And then it was, you know, uh, stopped and started a million times as various movie projects. These people who somehow got the rights to the, the book for a period of time, the suspicion is that they uh, didn't want to see their option expire, so they somehow just threw everything in but the kitchen sink in to try and get this movie made. And they made it, boy, and they made it with some okay, uh, somewhat decent uh, production value, but man, is it terrible. Uh, directed by Paul Johansson, who cannot direct, can't to, to save his soul. He's just terrible. He's an absolutely horrible, horrible director. And it's uh, an otherwise unbelievably undistinguished cast, uh, with the exception of uh, the very, very conservative brother of Bob Beckel, who is a uh, a, a liberal political commentator on Fox News, and his brother is a very conservative actor, and that's probably the only interesting thing that you can say about this. Um, There are some featurettes on here and a filmmaker's commentary, and it's uh, it's all kind of useless. All kind of useless. Doesn't uh, doesn't do anything for me. Um, uh, what is interesting, actually, is a DVD documentary that comes out as well called Ayn Rand and the Prophecy of Atlas Shrugged, which is, of course, very politicized, but you can sit down with your friends from the other side of the aisle and put it on and then argue about it. And in an election year, that makes it much more stimulating than, the, than a bad adaptation of, uh, of a book that should be a lot better. Wait, um, can I tell you one of my pet peeves? What's one of your pet peeves? Using the phrase game changer. Oh, jeez. Now, I remember when... Uh, Avatar, you, Avatar killed that phrase. It killed it. It actually it kind of started that phrase. I remember there was an email chain between you, me, and our friend Ray Green. And I had done a Google for Game Changer before and after the premiere date of Avatar. Mm-hmm. And before the premiere date of Avatar, yep. Game Changer came up in, you know, whatever, 100,000 Google hits. After the premiere date of Avatar... Game Changer came up in millions of Google hits. Yeah, as everybody said, gee, these mashed potatoes are a game changer. Wow, this is a great drink of water. It's a game changer. Boom. Let me just say that um, on the back of the box for this uh, DVD, A Little Help. Which is a stupid film. Which is a stupid film um, starring uh, America's sweetheart, Jenna Fisher. It says uh, the New York Post claims that Jenna Fisher gives a game-changing performance. Now, what does that mean? 
What game did it change? What it, what it's trying to say is she's not trying to play sweet and uh, and wonderful and and funny. She's trying to be a little bit more intense and uh, you know the, the whole story here is rather. I don't know what I don't know why they made this movie. I really don't. It's uh, you know about a woman who's uh, who's she her husband dies while they're having sex, and uh, she has to somehow reinvent her life when she suddenly defines herself as a widow. And I don't know. I don't know at what point somebody said, "Oh my gosh, what a great story!" Because it really isn't. I mean, it's it's got a couple of moments, but there's nothing nothing un- that separates this from the completely average and mediocre. It just isn't that interesting. There's nothing remarkable about this. I don't know why somebody actually sat down and wrote this as a screenplay. It's just it's whatever. Uh, but there it is. It's on Blu-ray. It's on DVD. Uh, the Blu-ray is perfectly average looking. I mean, I guess if you love Jenna Fisher, maybe it's worth a rental. But you know, not much else. I like Jenna Fisher. She's cute. She's America's crush. There you go. You know, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 is out now on Blu-ray and DVD, but not in the big massive Mondo special edition laden, like, thick as a dictionary version. Uh, This is just your standard, regular, run-of-the-mill Blu-ray, DVD, digital copy collection that... uh, really has next to nothing by way of extras, which means the, the Mondo version is coming out later. Um, so if, if you just want to check it out, I mean, it's a great transfer. The transfer is not going to get any better. Uh, it's just all about whether or not you care that there's next to nothing by way of extras. There's, you know, a conversation with uh, J.K. Rowling and Daniel Radcliffe and a few uh, featurettes, but none of that. It's like not nine hours of behind-the-scenes stuff, which is what you're going to get when the big one comes out. So if you have to see it, I guess rent it or something. I mean, it is really amazingly well-transferred as far as Blu-ray is concerned. The, the, the Harry Potter movies are state-of-the-art Blu-ray audio and video. They just don't get any better. Warner threw everything at it, and they do a great job, but again, probably not worth owning. Why are you showing me a cat on YouTube? <laughs> Like there isn't, there aren't enough cats on the internet. It's asleep. Stupid cat. It's asleep. How I hate him. (laughs) I'd rather, I'd rather watch a cat video than hear about Harry Potter. Mark, tell us about the change-up. Oh, it's so loud. bad. Come on. Like, we needed, we needed a new body-switching movie. You know, I, I, I find the, uh, the, the sudden ascension of um, Jason Bateman to be very curious. He sort of was kind of left for dead after his sitcom career, and then he started getting these kind of supporting roles. He was in uh, that uh, Hancock, the, you know, a couple other things. And now he's like a leading man, and I, I, I like him in some things. I don't like him in everything, but... Um, the change-up uh, stars him and Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, who I don't like, um, because I have yet to see Ryan Reynolds. I have yet to see Ryan Reynolds be show at least one molecule worth of sincerity in anything he's ever done. Okay. I just don't think he has it. He's just a super macho uh, guy who just drives me crazy. Anyway, um, the change-up is about uh, it's a body switching movie. Uh, one becomes a dad, and the other becomes a ladies' man, and uh, it's uh, terrible. The Blu-ray contains the uh, unrated and theatrical versions, and um, I just don't like this movie. It is not funny, and it didn't need to be made, and I don't Sad. get it. There's, a, there's a, a gag reel. There's a making of. There's a commentary. A, a deleted scene, which, of course, is nothing. It's like one. And uh, that's it. But the movie's not that funny. I, I, you know what? I understand. It could be a good um, Saturday night film if you got kids, because there's kids involved and whatnot. But um, I'd rather recommend rewatching Wedding Crashers, which I love, 
because it's this, uh, this film was done by the same director. Uh, and the writers of The Hangover, which I, I, I would almost prefer The Hangover, which I don't like. I'm one of the I'm one of the only ones who I do not like The Hangover films, but I'd rather watch The I Hangover again yeah. than watch The Change Up. Oh boy, that tells you something. Uh, Wolf is a company that releases a lot of uh, gay-themed stuff, and we actually have a couple of good ones here. Uh, definitely some crossover interest in these. Uh, I think these are really well-done films. One of them's well, one of them's campy. One of them's actually well done. Judas Kiss is uh, is an interesting. Um, a, 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 how, how would I put this? It is it is a, a curiously suspenseful. I'm not going to say it's Twilight Zoney. It's almost more like a night gallery in some respects. Uh, it's about a guy, a, uh, a struggling filmmaker who has a rather interesting experience when he goes back to his uh, his former school, and uh, something bizarre happens at a uh, competition there that kind of reconnects with his past, and it's. It's really curious. It's very original. It's interesting and well acted and rather uh, smartly written. Uh, you definitely want to check that out. It's called Judas Kiss for those who want to see kind of a really cool outside the box, challenging independent film. And then Leading Ladies is about uh, ballroom dancing. It is like most ballroom dancing movies, and we talk about stuff like strictly ballroom here. Incredibly campy, and it just uh, it wears its gay theme completely on its sleeve, which is completely endearing. Uh, Brett Ratner probably wouldn't like it, but uh, to hell with Brett Ratner. We don't care. Um, it's a couple of uh, a couple of sisters. They're gay best friend. One of the sisters is also gay, and uh, you know it just uh, it just saturates everyone in the world. This bizarre, campy, weird, wild, and wacky world of ballroom dancing. And if you've been watching Dancing with the Stars, you will appreciate it enormously. Me, I don't watch Dancing with the Stars. I would rather rather watch this movie. So there you have it. Uh, you know what, Mark? Let's talk about some foreign stuff. How much time do we have left, Wade? we got about uh, 12 minutes My left. My God. I know, right? But there's some really, really good foreign films here. And we gotta, we got to nail some of them. John Woo's A Better Tomorrow is out on Blu-ray. It's a Blu-ray DVD combo, uh, courtesy of Wellspring. Right? Fuh. Yeah, well, no. Glah. Let's, 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 <laughs> let's, um, let, let's be more accurate here. When I say that this is John Woo's A Better Tomorrow... I don't mean that this is the original A Better Tomorrow. I mean this is executive producer John Woo's new A Better Tomorrow. Boo. Uh, see, that's the that's the rub. And um, it, the, you know, what they're trying to do is sort of the same thing that has been going on in Hollywood, which is kind of take do it's like this is sort of like footloose this is the hong kong version of footloose for this summer taking something that is a revered classic and uh throw some kind of a new hip young cool postmodern new millennium twist on it and it's not it's not as good um it, you know it's it's basically the same story but it just doesn't feel the same uh it's slicker it's flashier but somehow it just doesn't have the soul it doesn't have the passion doesn't have the melodrama looks gorgeous terrific looking blu-ray but um you know that doesn't just completely cut it for me but what does cut it mark mm. shaolin you love that stuff I, this movie is great this is terrific. Shaolin uh, was uh, one of a number of movies that starred Andy Lau this last summer. It has a great turn by uh, Jackie Chan as the cook at the Shaolin Temple in it. Uh, basically, you know, set around the, uh, the the story that has been told a million times before, which is, uh, you know, that the Shaolin Temple had to struggle to survive all of the political uh, corruption that was just rampant uh, over the centuries. And Andy Lau plays a soldier 
who um, basically gives up his uh, his horrible, killing, murderous, greedy, selfish way to become a monk and hopefully redeem himself. And we've seen that kind of a story a million times. But um, in here, the action is just terrific. Andy Lau has become such a good actor. I don't know how it is that he never ages, uh, but it really is amazing. And um, Benny Chan, you know, great director, does some of his best work ever here. And Jackie Chan has one action sequence in particular that is just vintage Jackie and yes he's doing it at at like half speed what he might have done 25 years ago but it's just great and it's so much fun and I think this movie is really really great I think this is terrific Shaolin this is also from Wellspring uh, Wellgo sorry Wellspring uh, from Wellgo and uh, it's on Blu-ray and it is a gorgeous gorgeous unbelievably well transferred Blu-ray gorgeous can't get enough so do you like it? nah it's all right. Hang on, Mark. Hold on. Uh, let me see here. We don't have much time left, so we want to get to a couple of criterions. Um, we've also got uh, – Mark hates this movie, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about it anyway. You didn't even see this, did you? City of Life and Death? Yeah. Did you see this? Did I? I don't think you saw this. I, I think did you were not. afraid to go see this. I did not see it. Uh, City of Life and Death is one of the best Chinese films I've seen in, like, over 10 years. It was uh, not put up for an Oscar a few years back. It should have been. They made a mistake. They put a, a, a Chen Kaiga film up in its place. And uh, this is probably the most brutal, gruesome, and realistic telling of the rape of Nanjing ever. Now, if you don't know the story, Nanjing or Nanking, depending on uh, what name you want to use, it was the city that was at the time the capital of China when the Japanese invaded prior to World War II, or at least in, you know, when they were con- trying to conquer everybody uh, uh, during what basically was already World War II as far as the uh, Pacific Theater was concerned. And uh, when the Chinese capital finally fell, they moved in and uh, basically raped and slaughtered hundreds of thousands of people. It is a horrible atrocity. It is uh, still very taboo in Japan. It is a sore spot with the Chinese. And uh, there was a film uh, documentary made some years ago and then there was also a, uh, a, a German film made just a few years ago about the German businessman and Nazi party member who was kind of a, a schindler uh, John Rabe or Rabe if, is how it's, how it's uh, spelled R-A-B-E you saw that didn't you John Rabe John Rabe uh, I did not. You did not? I thought you did. Anyway, that was a German film from a few years ago that sort of centered around the German guy who was a, a, a real savior figure during this period. But he's depicted briefly in here, but not centrally. This is more just about the uh, the Japanese soldiers and the Chinese people and the resistance fighters. It is horrible. It is just brilliant and horrible all at the same time. It is black and white through and through, amazingly well photographed, but emotionally so grueling it will tear you to pieces. And as it happens, there is also uh, another film, Zhang Yimou's new film, which is The Flowers of War, that is the official Chinese submission for the Oscars this year that is also about this same event, although done very differently. But that was just picked up for distribution as well and will be released in December. So look for Flowers of War. Um, also a very good film, just tells it in a very, very different way. But uh, gosh, I'll tell you, City of Life and Death, you have to have in Blu-ray. The DVD is okay, it's fine, but this film is so beautifully photographed, it's all about the Blu-ray. It's all about the Blu-ray, directed by Lu Xuan, who's going to do some unbelievable work uh, in the future. Wait. Yes, sir. Nazis. Oh, yes, from the Japanese to Nazis. I don't like Nazis. Nobody likes Nazis. They don't like me. Well, Mel Gibson. Uh, Mel Gibson. He loves Nazis. Mel Gibson loves Nazis, but Mel Brooks loves making fun of Nazis. The, right. the two Mel's should get together and make a Nazi movie. In the uh, in the one in, in in the DVD that. Our listeners are least likely to buy. 
We have Anti-Nazi Classics, four films about Nazi Germany, special edition box set. We have The Adventures of Werner Holt, Rotation, The Acts of Vonsber, and Council of the Gods. I don't know why I'm talking about this, because nobody will buy this. <laughs> but I will say... These have all, that, well, all four of these have been released before by uh, First Run. But they, uh, but they but they threw the you know I mean the the problem is they they nobody would necessarily buy any of these individually I don't think but as a as a collection this is pretty great they're all you know good period well they well historical the, revisitations of the past yeah I mean these sort of these sort of run the gamut the one the only one I even would, would be remotely interested in or was remotely interested in is uh, the one from 1934. Um, which is and it's an interesting story about a uh, the, the the Nazis need a hangman to execute a bunch of political prisoners, so the town butcher volunteers to to be the hangman for these political prisoners, and of course it creates this crisis and all sorts of uh, crazy stuff happens. That, that that one I liked, but that's from 1934. That's from Weimar. That's the Weimar era. Yeah, that's the pre World War. That's like two, be, the pre Hitler. Sort of the between yeah. World War One yeah. and Hitlery sort when, of time when Germans were. Uh, less depressing than during World War One, and slightly more depressing than they were during World War Two, or vice versa. I forget which it was. <laughs> yeah, so, folks, all I can say is Nazis. don't don't buy the change up, <laughs> don't buy Harry Potter. Go out and buy anti-Nazi classics. Four films about Nazi, four, four films about Nazi Germany. Uh, awesome. Is this show over yet? <laughs> We have two criterions. We got two criterions. By the way, yes. Uh, the uh, oh, the, the sale, the Barnes and Noble sale. Yes, I know. I bought a bunch. What'd you get? You really want to know what I got? Sure. This is what I got. Modern Times. Yes. Oh, so good. Uh, High and Low. Yes. Night of the Hunter. Yes. The Killing. Yes. Days of Heaven. Sweet. And uh, Rolling Stones, Gimme Shelter. Mm. Now, I'm thinking of also getting City Lights. You know what? I I wish there was a, a great big chaplain... Blu-ray box set. Yes, in the offing. They, they, there will be from Warner, I'm sure, once they renew the rights to all of those films with MK2. I, I know a little bit about what may be going on behind the scenes. It's not pretty, but hopefully, it will all sort itself out. But I was not wrong in getting no, these Blu-rays. No, not at all. Not at all. It's criterion. Absolutely. A couple of criterions then on Blu-ray that we're going to talk about to wrap up the show real quickly uh, from 1982. A uh, Michelangelo Antonioni's identification of a woman. Now, Antonioni was not the same filmmaker in 1982, or frankly, a few years ago, uh, that he was in the 60s. Um, but that being said, this is still a really interesting film, and uh, deals with you know in obsession and all of those interior emotions and, and sexual repression, all those interesting things that uh, were sort of crucial to a lot of his work. Um, very, very nicely transferred, but certainly not the best uh, Antonioni you're ever going to see, and not all that sorted out with uh, with extras. There's a nice essay by our friend John Powers, our uh, colleague in Lafka here, uh, and that's uh, that's kind of the best that you can do on this one. E- way better, and this is maybe the, one of the best films that's been released in the last month or so, is uh, Masaki Kobayashi's Harakiri from 1962, one of the crucial films of the Japanese New Wave. Uh, Kobayashi is a favorite at, uh, at Criterion, uh, especially for things like Kwaidan and his uh, Human Condition trilogy, and this goes right along with those. This is absolutely t- fantastic. This is the uh, 
this is a samurai film, but it's a Kobayashi samurai film, which means it's very meditative and existential and uh, extremely interior and very intense. Did very well at the Cannes Film Festival in 1962. And some great extras here, including an excerpt from a uh, Directors Guild of Japan video interview with Kobayashi, which uh, uh, moderated by Shinoda, who's another great Japanese director. But I had never seen this interview with Kobayashi, and it is really, really interesting, extremely uh, informative, and tells you a lot about his style and just his mentality. So, with that, uh, we will call this show quits. We've got lots of great stuff coming up. We are assembling amazing stuff for our holiday show. Every year, the uh, Holiday Gift Guide show is a, is a real big one for us, so we've got a lot of good stuff getting piled up for that. We're going to be doing that in a few weeks. And uh, otherwise, Mark, I don't know, what are you cooking this week? Uh, give us uh, this week's recipe. Something I'll steal from a magazine in, <laughs> and, a, and again, in a new and, shop. And get bounced from, a, from another newsstand. <laughs> Pretty soon, you're going to be banned by every newsstand in Los Angeles. 